spiritual states. The Lurian Kabbalah. Hello everyone, hello Dr. Michael Lightman. Hello. So we're continuing with our show, Spiritual States. Today we're talk, we are going to talk about the Lurian Kabbalah. In 30 minutes we'll try to explain nonetheless what's the difference between the Lurian Kabbalah as known that it started evolving in the 16th century and that to this day is actually the foundation of the wisdom it is known to all that the wisdom of Kabbalah explains, expresses how to balance out our egoistic nature. And actually, before that, the books that were written, if we talk about the Tanakh, the Book of Zohar, the Talmud, actually all of them, this is what they talk about, how to balance out our egoistic nature and reveal the Creator. What's the uniqueness of the Lurian Kabbalah? The matter is that to tell about the Creator, about His actions for a person in our world, it is something that is not simple. It is not simple because it is a completely different world, completely different relations, completely different actions, meaning it is all completely different than what we got used to, than what we observe in our world. These are things that completely do not coincide with our qualities, actions, thoughts, and therefore it is hard. It's hard to explain something from the spiritual world and the language of our world. That's the main thing. The thing is that the spiritual world is not like our world in any way. It is a world of intentions. Not so much thoughts even, but intentions. Not actions completely. It's not about physical actions, but it's about intentions. But how do you pass all of that on to a person? Kabbalists. The first Kabbalists from ancient times, they were simply born with this kind of sensation and gradually developed in their sensations to a more general kind of understanding of where they are with their unique qualities, qualities of bestowal, connection, love, permeating the hidden forces of nature. I'd say that this is some the, what's so hard to express, explain, because people think that we, in the form and the way that we're in, we can feel the upper world the way we are now. But it's impossible we feel our world through our five senses. Were we to have different senses, then we would have felt, we would have received completely different impressions, both about ourselves and about the world that's surrounding us. And it's a problem. So, the first Kabbalists, they 
have expressed themselves in the language of the legend and the language of stories, so to speak, passing on, describing different spiritual processes through something that is closer to stories, legends, where under the still-vegetative, animate, and speaking nature of man, they actually meant the spiritual upper forces of nature, which are completely not physical. But they understood each other nonetheless, because they felt this higher sphere, this higher realm, and they were similar to each other in their sensations. And then, as our ego grew from generation to generation, developed from generation to generation all the time, they started feeling how further and further away they become from ordinary people and that they can't tell them anything, explain anything, reveal anything to them. And here appears a problem. How to... How to connect to people that don't feel this inner sensation between themselves that's called the spiritual world, the upper world, but feel the connection between people only in a limited fashion in our five senses. Seeing, hearing, smell, taste, touch. So, there's a problem in this case, how to pass this knowledge on. They didn't really pass it on. They only found those similar to themselves, those that feel through Um, our nature, also the upper nature. And they found a language for themselves called the language of branches. That is, a language that is parallel, in parallel to our sensations. Um, They discovered that there the five senses that man has, and in correspondence with that, there are also the five spiritual senses. And so they took the the words, the language of our world, and through it started describing spiritual actions and qualities, the different interactions. And what follows is that you take the words of our world and you describe certain actions, interactions, ties, connections, and what you get is uh, what's composed is this good picture about people that interact, get married, give birth, develop, etc., etc. But actually, it's not about that. Actually, it is about the inner qualities and how through these inner qualities they attain the upper world 
upper matter. And what happens is that they have developed this way for themselves, an additional language called the language of the branches. And so this is how it is that they can talk. And this started a few thousands of years ago. And before that, practically, there was the language of the Tanakh, of the Torah, in which they have described the different actions of the spiritual world in the language of our world, but not in the language of branches. So if I correctly understand, there's the spiritual world, which is the world of the relations between us, but these are relations on the level of intentions, yes. And in order to pass on all these processes that a person feels in the spiritual world, they have invented a language, the language of branches, um, and they see the results in our world. They take words from our world and explain spiritual processes. Yes, that was the method. What did Dari do then? Dari is, this is a great, not even man, but soul, great soul that was able to attain the depth of creation. Suppose you are in front of some kind of machine, box. You don't know that it's a computer or something. And you start inquiring it. You push different buttons. You don't know what that is. You sniff the screen. You lick the keyboard. doesn't matter what you do. And gradually, gradually, you start understanding how can you interact with the keyboard, with the pictures, and with yourself. You discover this computer not in front of you, but inside of you. You start awakening in you different emotions, thoughts, intentions, relations, and by accumulating all of these, let's call them instructions in you, by that you awaken a corresponding result. And this way, you study yourself and the surrounding world as an interaction of special forces. Dari was the first in human history to reveal this unique interaction between man and nature and start interacting with it, describing it all, teaching it to students, especially one of them that was called Chaim Vital. And Chaim Vital, he wrote everything that he heard from Dari. And that came out 
as a series of volumes, even though that it all happened in the 16th century, but it came out throughout the next hundreds of years. So he described the system of interaction between the souls, we can say. That's called the system of screens and lights. So, if I needed to explain something, suppose you're drinking tea, if I needed to explain to someone what I feel, what emotions happen in me when this fluid enters me and in relation to other people too, there need to be some kind of criteria. Meaning you can describe all these things, things that previously weren't describing the language was new, and the system itself was new. The system, the approach, everything was new. Theory simply made a revolution in attainment in the attainment of the one upper force of nature that controls everything that we can interact with, reveal, understand. So suppose I have some kind of desire, you have some kind of desire. He described the connection. How can my desires interact with yours? How can my fulfillments interact with yours, other people, etc., etc.? Meaning he described, yeah, yeah, he described the laws of commutation between man and the only upper guiding force in the world. I heard you many times say that before him all Kabbalists described the system of the attainment of the Creator from the side of the light and he from the side of the desire. Meaning what? Because they felt what goes on with them. And he, aside from that feeling, also discovered the reason for these sensations. That's the main thing. And therefore, after the Ari, studying, studying him, following his method in life, we can develop such qualities in us that will allow us to reveal the world, not simply to be impressed by it passively, but to be active. You're also saying that this language is called the system of screens. A screen, you say that it's an anti-egoistic quality where a person can perform a certain action without taking into account his personal interests. Yeah. So this system of screens, what is it about? How is it? The system of screens is in that a person can connect with the upper force rising above his corporeal nature. Our corporeal nature is very simple. It is our ego that exists in everyone, forcing us to carry out certain actions that are called the desire to receive pleasure. It seems to us that it is to our benefit, but really it's not, uh, sorry, uh, it seems that it's for us, but it's not that it's for us, but when we act egoistically for our own benefit, we as a fulfill ourselves, we feel satisfied, and this is our nature. 
there is an inverted, there's the opposite. Not to be engaged in self-gratification, fulfilling yourself, but to make an effort in order to fulfill not yourself, but others. And this is very non-simple. And a person can't do it, but trying to do it, he starts feeling that there is a second part that is counter to our world, the other half of nature, like a mirror, so to speak a reflection. And if we will start gradually taking this quality of bestow love for others, that which is the opposite of our ego, if we start gradually developing it in ourselves, then we will be able to start feeling this inverted opposite world. It exists next to us, but we don't feel it. Because we don't have these qualities. All of our qualities are egoistic, meaning they limit us. They restrict us in these qualities of ours. And a screen allows you to look at reality objectively. Yeah, and Dari was the first to describe the qualities of the screen and in what way can we build the screen inside of us, these anti-egoistic qualities to develop them in us and to start feeling not the world that we feel in the ego, but outside of the ego. Therefore, it's called meaning a world that isn't distorted by my egoistic sensations. Yeah. Okay, I, I want to understand the, the um, system itself, because we have many movies about the RE, many things that we can read about, the history of things, but I want to ask about the method. You said that a few thousands of years ago, the method was that a person needed to really suffer and justify the upper force, and then he would have been able to achieve these kinds of this kind of interaction with the Creator to reveal Him through great suffering. Yeah. And from the time of the RE, then you can develop the screen, you don't need to suffer anymore because the grown the ego that has grown, this kind of method no longer works for it. With the help of the books, with the help of the method of the RE, was it possible to achieve a quality which is opposite to the ego of love and bestowal, and through that to start feeling the opposite quality of nature? Balasulam continues and writes that there are all the lights, screens, names, tensfirot, interactions between them, and when a person reads it all and doesn't understand it, he draws upon himself some kind of surrounding light that starts building this screen in him, and gradually through that screen a person starts connecting with the upper world. That's the method that they reinvented that didn't exist before. Yeah, meaning before there was the method of suffering, were there any other kinds of methods? No, especially, as it says, drink little bread, uh, drink little water, eat a little bread, lay on the ground, etc., etc., meaning by way of suffering. 
that because we feel bad inside the ego and a person forced himself into egoistic suffering on purpose, therefore he was forced to rise above it, run away from it, and this way he awoke in himself altruistic qualities. So the suffering mitigates the ego, softens it, it's easier for a person to then run away from it, rise above it. Yeah, but that's only on very small levels of the ego because further on it doesn't work. Why not if I have a big ego? You can't go for these kinds of sufferings. I think to the contrary, the more sensitive a person, when a person has a big ego, he becomes more sensitive to suffering. You can't force yourself to approach this kind of suffering. Ah, they consciously came closer. Of course. Therefore, it says, lay on the ground, sleep on the ground, eat bread, drink water, and study Kabbalah all the time, and then you can succeed. But there's a limit to the measure of suffering that a person can take upon himself against themselves. It's not just to take yourself and chop yourself up into pieces, but it means that this way he needs to live his life. Uh, further, Bala Sulam writes, in the, he writes that if a person utters all these words, the names of the lights and the vessels, this way he draws upon himself the surrounding lights. Why? Because he as if recalls that which is written about his soul, meaning these lights and these vessels, they talk about his soul, and therefore he awakens this light upon himself. What does it mean that it's written about me there? Well, it's because he wishes to achieve such states that speak of the quality of bestow, love, qualities that are inverted to his ego, and by aspiring to it, he awakens a special illumination upon himself, a special force. He awakens forces upon himself that exist in him too, but they are in a state in which he is immersed in it. And so, by aspiring to the opposite, by limiting yourself in everything, and by giving out everything that you have to others, he brings himself to a state where he rises above his egoistic nature. For him, it is actually not that important and heads toward an altruistic nature. Even though that there's not a word said that about love, connection, you know, it's a language of sfirot. No, in Kabbalah, there's nothing about it. True. There's practically nothing said about emotions, but only about actions. But, but nonetheless, it is all in one language of Kabbalah. In the language of the so-called Sfirot. But besides that, there is also another language, an emotional language in Kabbalah, where really a person starts attaining the upper world emotionally and 
fair. There are no longer any count of boundaries to what he senses, feels, and he understands that he enters a state of unlimited love of the Creator and dissolves in it. Well, this is actually what your teacher, Rabash, wrote about in his articles about the group, meaning it's not just that you need to come and put a book in front of yourself and read the names of all of these worlds and lights, but there needs to be a certain intention that a person needs to first acquire. He needs to work in a group to try and unite with them, to get from them some kind of desire, specific desire to express it, and with that to come and to study about the system of lights and um, screens, otherwise it's theory. Well, Kabbalah doesn't like theories. And it's important what Balasulam writes about the uniqueness of the language of Arias that he says that you can't materialize anything, meaning when I read some kind of, some story from the Torah or even from the Zohar, then I start imagining people walking around, animals, wars, something, different events, because it's the language of branches. But when I simply read Ketoch and the interactions between them, I have no associations at all. This way I don't materialize anything. So that that's also uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, that's very important because by no means can we um, consider the Torah talking about our world. It speaks only about man's inner world. And therefore, necessarily, we need to convey everything that we read um, to internalize it, that it's happening inside of us, and by no means to imagine that it's, we see our world and everything that goes on in it, like in a theater. So, to sum up, the uniqueness of the method of the Ari compared to the method that existed thousands of years before him is, first of all, the language itself that did not allow to materialize what was written, and the second second thing is the method itself, where you awaken a light upon yourself that builds the screen in you and objectively allows you to attain the upper world. Yes, and not through suffering like before. Yes, that's the uniqueness. Absolutely true. Okay, so maybe uh, last question. Balasulam, he talks about when Dari wrote the book of the Tree of Life, well, he himself didn't write about it. He spoke, and his student wrote it all down, but he says that it's the same as the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Yeah, and in importance, that's how Balasulam sees it. So, I can imagine what the Torah is for mankind, because all the all religions, cultures, science, you know, everything's based on the we can imagine the life that we would have without the Torah. Art, culture, the relations between us, etc., etc. It's all based on the Torah. So, 500 years ago, the Tree of Life was written. Uh, it was published, like, suppose, 200 years ago. And, I don't know, there are no results. No one knows about it. It will all become revealed in the future in a few hundreds of years. Yes, it needs to become revealed in the future, and let's hope that it will become revealed in our time, too. Meaning that it will become the foundation 
foundation of our culture of mankind, the basis of life, not culture, the foundation of human life. Okay, our time's up. Thank you very much. Till next time, all the best.